BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The trial of Alec Murdoch is already bringing some memorable moments. Five key points from week one. Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Long Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. The male victim laying on the ground to my left, as well as the female victim on the ground to my right. Um... The male victim was close to a small shed in the dog kennel on the left. There was a large deal of blood that had pooled around his body. Um, same thing for the female victim on the right. Uh, also a large amount of blood around her body. As you uh, approached and at first saw the male victim and the female victim, uh, what was your assessment? Was there any possible signs of life from your... Uh, my, initial, my initial assessment was that there was not. Uh, there, there appeared to be a large amount of blood around each of them, as well as um, brain matter. Uh, did you ultimately have a conversation with Mr. Murdoch when you were out there? I did. Right. And do you see him here in the courtroom today, the person yeah. that you talked to? I do. And can you point him out to the jury, please? Yes, sir. He's right there wearing a dark blue or black jacket. Your Honor, can the record reflect that he's identified Mr. Murdoch? It does. The trial of Alec Murdoch is underway. The renowned South Carolina attorney is accused of murdering his wife, Maggie, and his son, Paul. Now, prosecutors say that he shot them to death on June 7th, 2021, on their family property. And after week one, there is a lot to talk about. So let's recap five key moments from week one in the Alec Murdoch trial. And we'll start off with opening statements, opening statements from the prosecution and the defense, both sides setting the stage for the jury on what to expect from the case. And we'll start off with Prosecutor Creighton Waters, who highlighted really especially important evidence for the jury to consider. But really, we have to talk about this curious cell phone video. At 8.44 and 55 seconds, Paul recorded a video. He was down in the kennels because he had been talking to a friend of his, and you're going to hear from this friend because his friend's dog was in the kennels and they thought there was something wrong with the tail. And Paul was recording a video of it to send to his friend. 8.44 and 55 seconds. And on that video, and you'll see that video, and you'll hear from witnesses that identified Paul's voice, Maggie's voice, and Alex's voice. Told anyone who would listen he was never there at 
844. In 55 seconds, there's a video. The evidence will show that he was there. He was at the murder scene with the two victims. And more than that, just over three minutes later, 849 and one second, Paul's phone locks forever. And he also talked about the significance of a piece of clothing. You're also going to hear evidence that about a week after the murders, Mr. Al Murdoch's father had died, Mr. Randolph. And about a week after the murders, he shows up early in the morning at his parents' home, where his mother still is in late-stage Alzheimer's on Alameda in Hampton. It's uncharacteristic for him to show up early, uncharacteristic for him to show up at all like that. And he comes in, and he's carrying something in a blue tarp, and he takes it upstairs, and eventually law enforcement finds out about that. And they go upstairs, and they find upstairs, they find a wadded up, very, very large raincoat in a blue color. Could look like a tarp. And you're going to hear evidence that it was coated with gunshot residue on the inside. On the inside. Now, defense attorney Dick Harpootlian said it makes absolutely no sense for Alec to murder his family, who he loved. You're not going to hear a single witness say that their relationship, Maggie and Alex's relationship, were anything other than loving. You're going to hear about how they went to a baseball game the weekend before. You're going to hear about their relationship. You're going to see texts and emails indicating a loving relationship. Paul, the apple of his eye. You're going to see a video somewhere between 7.30 and 8 o'clock, the night of the murders, with Paul and Alec riding around looking at some trees they planted. It's a Snapchat that Paul sent to other people because the trees were not planted very well. They were cantilevering over. They're laughing. They're having a good time. That would be about an hour before the Attorney General says he swatted him. The gases from that shot literally <coughs> exploded his head like a watermelon hit with a sledgehammer. All that was left was the front of his face. Everything else was gone. His brain exploded out of his head, hit the ceiling in the shed, and dropped to his feet. Horrendous. Horrible. Butchering. So, to find Alec Murdoch guilty of murdering his son, you're going to have to accept that within an hour of having a extraordinarily bonding, you can see it in the Snapchat, that he executes him in a brutal fashion. And also said, prosecution can't prove their case. There's a lack of forensic evidence. You're going to hear their witnesses explain the catastrophic injuries to Paul, that his head literally exploded, and whoever shot him with that shotgun was probably no more than three feet away, maybe, maybe closer, maybe a little further away. You 
his head exploded, you would be covered in blood from head to foot. Head to foot. In blood. They seized his clothes that night. Sweat did. And they test. Well, first of all, you're going to see in the videos from the agent, the officers that arrived that night. There's no blood on him. They didn't find any blood on him. Sweat's testing indicated 12 different places on his shirt and pants. No human blood detected. Period. So now, opening statements. They're not evidence. The jury's really not supposed to consider them as evidence. But they are persuasive statements for the jury to think about. It's, again, previews of what to expect. And as I said, after opening statements, sometimes I can tell which side has a stronger case, who might even win. Can't tell it here. We need to let the evidence decide for ourselves. And let's talk about the evidence. We're going to start right now with the 911 phone call. So 911 phone calls usually start off a case in an investigation. And here it was the call from Alec Murdoch. It was the 911 call from the defendant himself. You see, Murdoch was the one who alerted police to the fact that his wife and son were dead. His alibi is that he went to visit his mother, who had late-stage Alzheimer's, and when he came back to his property, he found his family by the dog kennels deceased. Now, let's listen to this 911 phone call because the defense and the prosecution are framing it in their own ways, right? The prosecution suggesting that He's faking his sadness and he's trying to cover up what he did. Defense saying this is a genuine expression of grief and shock. I'll leave it to you. Hey, I'm standing now on one way to emergency. This is Alec Murdoch at 4147 Moselle Road. I need the police to pass us immediately. My wife and child just shot badly. Okay, you said 4147 Moselle Road in Allison? Sir? You said 4147 Moselle Road in Arlington? Yes, sir. sure that that 911 phone call, as important as it is, is going to make or break the case. I think it is more just a piece of the overall puzzle, but significant nonetheless. Something else to note, though, about that 911 phone call is that Murdoch was instructed not to touch the bodies, but he said that he did so already because he was checking on them for a pulse. 
Now, there was been a back and forth on whether he did that and also perhaps would explain any biological or DNA material on him or his clothes. I should tell you that pre-trial, we heard a back and forth for, about this from the defense and the prosecution, the prosecution saying that blood on Murdoch would be from blood spatter, the close range gunshots, the blowback from the blood of the bodies. Defense said no, that any blood on him was from touching the bodies, not being the shooter. I think the judge in this case has yet to rule on the divisibility of that evidence, so we're going to see which way it ultimately shakes up. Now, we would actually hear a lot more from Alec Murdoch in this week one, and that brings me to another notable moment, the testimony of Sergeant Daniel Green, one of the first responders to the scene. Listen to him testifying about his initial observations. As I approached toward him, I could see the male victim laying on the ground to my left, as well as the female victim on the ground to my right. Um, the male victim was close to a small shed in the dog kennel on the left. There was a large deal of blood that had pooled around his body. Um, same thing for the female victim on the right. Uh, also a large amount of blood around her body. His immediate reaction was to start telling me about an incident that had happened with his son uh, with a boating accident. With the boating accident? Yes, sir. Had you asked him anything about that? I did not. And then Sergeant Green's body cam was played as well. It was earlier tonight. Uh, I, I, I don't know the exact time, but okay. I left. I was probably gone an hour and a half from my mom's, and I saw them about 45 minutes before that. Okay. I rode around with Paul for two hours this afternoon in the, in the pickup truck. That's your son, Paul? Somebody go to check them? Yes, sir. They, they've already checked them. <laughs> they did check them? Yes, sir. Is that they're dead? Yes, sir. That's what it looks like. <laughs> when you observed these victims, was it obvious that they had injuries incompatible with life? Yes. Any reasonable person that came upon those bodies would have come to a conclusion that they were deceased. This is the firearm you brought from inside the house? Sir. Yes, sir. I went get... This is a long story. My son was in a boat wreck of... Months back, he's been getting threats. Most of it's been benign stuff we didn't take serious. Okay. Um, you know, he, he's been getting, like, punched. Um, I, know that's somebody, I know that's what it is. Okay, what Murdoch is referring to is how in 2019, a teenager named Mallory Beach died in an accident on the Murdoch family boat. Paul was allegedly driving. He was allegedly engaging in underage drinking. A lawsuit was filed by Beach's family, and it ultimately, I should tell you, recently, the case has been settled. So did Alec Murdoch grab a gun from the house because he was scared? Does he legitimately believe his son and wife were murdered over this incident? Or is he creating an elaborate story, an elaborate cover-up, immediately drawing suspicion away from himself? Look, I mean, it's an odd killing. Two victims two different weapons, these alternative scenarios, it makes it something to think about. And just focusing a little bit more on the people who responded to the scene, Jason uh, Chapman, a major with the Colleton County Sheriff's Office, said that while Murdoch didn't you know, cr shed any tears on the scene, he did look upset. Um, he did say it was interesting that the emotion kind of changed when investigators started doing their work, when they started looking at the tire tracks, the impressions at the scene. He was quoted as saying, quote, the breathing slowed and he began to watch us work more closely, sometimes out of the corner of his eye. So these initial impressions from investigators are always important. Now, another key moment that we have to focus on is the defense, because the defense had an opportunity to cross-examine prosecution witnesses. And we want to highlight right now 
How Dick Harputlian cross-examined Sergeant Green. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Just inside that doorway was yeah. Deputy McDowell. Okay. Were you the president? Oh, is that your body cam? So you're watching him do it, right? That's, that's correct. Should he have done that? Stand where he's standing. Standing inside the feed room. It's part of the crime scene. We're all standing inside the crime scene. Inside what? The crime scene. We are all standing in the same crime scene. I understand the same crime scene, but clearly you believe, based on discussion, and everyone in your unit believe, that the fatal shot was made where he basically standing, correct? That In that area. Where we are all standing. Yes. Yes, sir. Is that procedure to walk around on top of an area where shots have been fired? And I think even in this, they're talking about tissue or brain matter laying there. Um, I mean, aren't you supposed to? You don't put anything on your feet. This shows you where the defense is going that there were problems in the investigation and how the crime scene was processed, issues with evidence preservation. It is a common strategy, a common tactic in cases like this. And I'll tell you what, it can definitely hurt a prosecution's case for sure. So we know why they're uh, highlighting it and focusing on it. All right, now let's move on to another big moment. And that is when jurors actually saw Alec Murdoch in an interview on the night of the killings. It happened uh, inside of a state agent's car. I think it lasted about 30 minutes. It took place hours after the shootings. In fact, Murdoch's lawyer, Danny Henderson, was also in the car. I believe he was in the back seat. And you're going to see at one point that Alec Murdoch becomes uncontrollable. Just start the top. Take your time. Um, like when I came back here, mm-hmm. I mean, I pulled up and I could see him. And, you know, I knew something was bad. I ran out. I knew it was really bad. My my boy over there, I could see it was. (laughs) 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 And I could see his brain on. And I ran over to Maggie and uh, actually I think I tried to turn Paul over first. Um uh you know, I tried to turn him over and uh I don't know, I figured it out. Um uh, his cell phone popped out of his pocket. That's 
started to try to do something with it, thinking maybe, but then I put it back down really quickly. Um, then I went to my wife, and I, uh, I mean, I could see. Mm -hmm. Did you touch Maggie at all? I did. I touched them both. Okay. I tried to take. I mean, I tried to do it as limited as possible, mm -hmm. but I, I tried to take their pulse on both of them. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I called 911 um, pretty much right away, and she was very good. Now, it's interesting because the prosecution's theory is that Alec Murdoch killed his family to gain sympathy, to gain sympathy in, as a way to distract attention away from his alleged financial crimes that were about to be exposed, all in separate cases. Give you an idea. He's facing over 90 separate charges related to alleged money laundering, stealing from clients, hiring a hitman to kill him so that his son could receive insurance payouts. There's a lot. So you could say that him acting this way and crying or being upset is all part of that scheme. The alternative theory is that maybe he really did discover his family murdered and he's emotional and he legitimately believes someone was upset with Paul over Mallory Beach and did this. And I'll tell you, he's also quite vocal, right? I mean, he's constantly speaking with authorities, cooperative. He was the one who called 911, apparently consented to the police investigation and these searches. So the question is, if someone committed this crime, would they do that? Would they be this cooperative, this open? That'll be up for a jury to decide. And that's all we have for you, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here on Sidebar. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Weber. I'll speak to you next time.